2: It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show.
3: He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion.
2: He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good
0: afternoon, Northern California. Welcome to the Friday edition at last. The Friday edition of Lifeline. Wow, what a week it has been! And of course, as you have been following the news stories of the spread of the coronavirus, its impact on the markets. We're going to be visiting with Pat Vitucci in a moment to get an update on how the markets ended the week. Let me remind you, coming up momentarily, Dr. Phil Howard will join us. It's the fourth Friday open line edition of Lifeline. Dr. Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church, opening the Word and spending some time and. Answering your questions. He, along with Andy Freuland, we're not really sure what Andy does, but he'll be here too, and that'll be coming up in just a few moments. Right now, though, let's get down to cases. Wall Street wrapping up its worst week since the 2008 financial crisis. And at one point, stocks had been down a thousand points today. Good news is it didn't end that bad. Let's get the latest 30 plus year retirement planning specialist, financial advisor. Pat Vitucci from Vitucci and & Associates. And, Pat, you know it's a good day when you say, hey,
3: today wasn't as bad as yesterday. Yeah, it only closed down, The Dow did, 519 points. So uh, it was a heck of a week. But I think this is why God invented weekends. We get to take a pause and let some calm return uh, with a nearly 4,000-point drop this week. <clears throat> it certainly has put everybody on edge. It certainly has everybody's attention. It's a top story and it's six o'clock news as it should be. But um, you know, is this is this gonna be one of those V shaped recoveries where the markets come screaming back or will this be a prolonged segment? it's all dependent on all these issues surrounding the coronavirus and no one really knows the depth and gravity of it until we kind of live kind of live through it, correct?
0: This is very true. And, you know, uh, as, as any of these events, uh, unknown is what drives the markets. Unknown or the uncertainty is what, of course, scares the markets as well. And we've seen a handful of that since Monday, reaction to the spread of coronavirus, discovery of new cases in a number of places around the country, including even here in Northern California, the first such case in California where they can't quite yet make a connection back to where this person might have been exposed. Of course, all of this um, really roiling the markets and uh, wondering what's going to happen on that big picture. This is less to do about perhaps the health of the economy here at home in America, and I suppose, Pat, more about the interconnectivity that we have in the global markets and what happens to supply chains from goods coming in from China, what happens to ancillary industries that could be impacted by this, by things like travel. In fact, I was reading here uh, today that uh, once again, some of the major air carriers, including Delta and United Airlines, saying we're canceling more flights into Asia until we get a better handle on all of this. So there certainly is going to be felt some short-term impact. And I suppose uh, as a result, this is going to impact the, uh, the Q1 earnings results for a number of corporations.
3: Yeah, I think the revenue numbers are going to be challenging in uh, any kind of transportation. My, my wife and I were about to put a deposit on an Alaskan cruise in August, and we said, well, let's wait up and see. Do we want to be on a cruise? It's one of those incubators for all kinds of diseases, and so we we are dragging our feet on that for another month or so. We'll see where that goes. And guess what? I have to believe the rates are going to be dropping in the next month or they so because they're, they're going to need to make up for... I'm going poor showing in, in, in these next uh, next
0: several months. Now, if you're somebody who is young, who is all-in in the equities markets, then certainly this has been a terribly painful week uh, and, and undoubtedly the most painful since 2008. But if you have a more balanced portfolio, you're perhaps not as concerned. So a lot of it, I guess, has to do with not only one's um, level of risk tolerance or risk aversion, but also timeline to retirement. Yeah,
3: certainly. If you're older, um, it has more more of a bearing, certainly, because you need that monthly check this month. And if you're you know 20s, 30s, and 40s, this this could be a wonderful buying buying time. And so we've got to be, be sensitive to the retiree that really needs that that this month's check to make to to, to make this month's nut. You know, whatever your your mortgages, your PG you need et cetera it becomes really important, sadly, if you've had some principal erosion, it has a giant impact on what kind of income you're going to derive this month.
0: So this goes back, I guess, to the big central question that all of us have to ask. You know, if we're in, and certainly... A part of the strategy for many people, not everyone, but many people as it relates to retirement planning includes having money in the markets in relationship to maybe an IRA or 401K, investments of this sort. And I, I guess at this point it really comes down to two things, doesn't it, Pat? Diversification and active asset management. Boy, if you bought some stocks uh, a few years ago and just left them there, uh, you're, you're you're probably really sad with what's happened over the last few days.
3: Yeah, Investing and forgetting in this kind of volatile market can only further deteriorate your, your, uh, principle. And, and certainly going into this, what percentage did you have in the stock market versus in mortgages or bonds, utilities? What about your overseas positions? What countries are being affected most? So, geography of your, of your portfolio really becomes a, a tantamount question. And, uh, Perhaps it's too late to look at that now, but certainly it, it, it's a lesson in looking at the geography of your money for the next correction that may that may evolve.
0: All right. So toward that end, a lot of people, of course, are struggling for answers and, and the lack of solid answers in relationship to this, this current health situation that may potentially be queuing up to become a global pandemic. It's too early to tell. We really don't know. The experts don't know. Uh, we just have to continue to watch them, monitor it, and, and take the advice that they're shelling out. Make sure you wash your hands. And if you start to feel bad, stay home and, and seek medical attention. Uh, that said, for people that want to go a little bit deeper in terms of gaining an understanding as to how this event or any other event that quite frankly we can't control can potentially impact our retirement earnings and savings uh, you've got a couple of seminars coming up March the third and March the fifth in Newark at the Hilton. Tell us about it
3: yeah, the timing of this could not could not have been have been better. We're really going to cover things like your money personality, your asset allocation next year, your, your exposure to 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 the stock market or emerging markets, We're going to talk about the geography of your money. And so it's March 3rd, March 5th. It's Tuesday or Thursday of next week. Uh, there's dinners being served at 630. Reservations are required. You can call one 8 plan wise That's one TriA8 plan wise Or go to our website and enroll there. At don'tinvestandforget.com. No, no cost for the seminar.
0: All right, so uh, check it out online, dontinvestandforget.com. That's dontinvestandforget.com. Or uh, call toll-free for reservations and more information at 888-PLANWISE, 888-PLANWISE. Well, Pat, I know it's been a rough week. I appreciate you taking time uh, each night this week to to update us. And I guess we'll, uh, we'll check back here first part of the week. The good news is the markets are closed for the weekend, so everybody take a nice Deep breath, Pat Vettucci. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Greg. All right, we're uh, we're going to get queued up here in just a moment to be joined by Doctor Phil Howard and uh, Andy Freuland, his his uh, sidekick. What exactly does he do? We're we're not sure about all that. Shall we do this? Let's get you a quick update on traffic. And uh, when we come back, I'm just going to step aside. Uh, they've got a shepherd's crook. They're going to pull me out of here with anyway. And uh, we'll turn the proceedings over to. Um, Andy Froyland and our dear friend, Dr. Phil Howard. Of course, Dr. Howard, um, for many, many years, senior pastor at Valley Bible Church and um, his weekday radio broadcast heard uh, right here on KFAX. He'll tell you more about that in a moment. Time to open the word, go to the phone and join us as we've got a time of questions and answers with Dr. Phil Howard coming up right around the corner here on the Friday edition of Lifeline. Now to get you around that corner, let's get a look at traffic.
2: And now, back to Lifeline.
0: All right, welcome back to the conversation. Friday edition of Lifeline. And as promised, I'm going to step aside here and uh, turn the proceedings, turn the microphone over to uh, my dear friend and colleague, Andy Froyland. And always thrilled on the fourth Friday of the month to have Dr. Phil Howard join us on the program. A time of questions and answers, opening the word, uh, your opportunity to call in with questions you may have regarding things that you wonder about in Scripture, something you've heard uh, your pra- pastor preach on or heard here on KFAX, and you'd like to go a little bit deeper. We think of this as an opportunity to dive deeper into the Word and really that opportunity for iron sharpening iron, as the Word says. So without any further ado, I'll give you the toll-free number, eight 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 three six seven five three two nine. That's 888-367-5329. That's the toll-free number to call. Phone lines open for your questions Tonight on the Friday edition of Lifeline, Dr. Phil Howard joins us, and uh, and to set things up, here's our good friend Andy Freuland.
2: Thank you very much, Craig. Appreciate that tons. And as Craig sticks his thumb in his ear and waves goodbye to all, we wish you the best, Craig, on your new book, How to Pet Your Piranha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Anyway, it is uh, Lifeline tonight. <laughs> All all kidding aside, Pastor Phil Howard joins us tonight, and uh, we've got a great night lined up tonight. Um, married, thinking about getting married, uh, been married, um, having troubles with your marriage. Man, God's Word speaks into that so much, doesn't it, Phil?
1: Well, you set us up as we ended uh, last month looking in Genesis, uh, and you thought, well, in the month of February, why don't we focus on marriage, love? And what a big subject, and uh, we want to look at what the Word of God says, because uh, most of this culture is saying, what's love got to do with anything? Uh, we just need Turner to introduce the program. But uh, let me uh, read a passage to you, going all the way back to Genesis. And I, first of all, want to take some time to give you a divine definition or meaning of marriage. I'm not talking about sociologists. I'm not talking about the psych class. I'm talking about the original author of marriage and what he said. He says this four times in scripture. He only says it four times. It's his definition. He never goes back from it. Listen to what the passage says in Genesis 2, 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Uh, I would like to uh, give you some definitions. I thought we started start something as basic as uh, American Heritage College Dictionary, third edition. The legal union of a man and woman as husband and wife that's very brief page 832 that's what they said but let me give you a biblical definition and then we're going to break down the components marriage is that intentional union whereby a man and a woman publicly commit themselves each other in lifelong covenant or agreement to form a home let's start first part it's intentional i I'm not just sleeping with a girl or uh, a one-night stand. No, no. I have an intention of building something together. Two, it was a man and a woman. The the idea of same-sex marriage and all of that. And we're not here to bash anybody, but we're here to say what God intended. The race would die if it was just two of the same kind of people. It, it would be genocide. God set it up from the beginning, a man and a woman having the power to procreate. Publicly, uh, we've got to go public, and I'm going to explain more about that. Lifelong, uh, God never intended for there to ever be a divorce. Uh, sin, hardness of heart brought that about. And so his original intention, when God's joined together, let no man put asunder. And it's men and women who break up a home. It's not God. God said, I hate divorce. Uh, and so, with sin, later on, we get into all that dynamic. It's a covenant. He said in Malachi 2 and Proverbs 2, be true to the wife of your covenant. And Malachi is upbraiding Israel that says, You're wailing at the altar. And you're acting religious while at the same time you're divorcing the wife of your covenant. And that means a wife of friendship, a wife of promise. Not a one-night stand, but a woman you have publicly made a promise to be true to. You want to build a home. In the Bible, nobody ever thought of being childless. It was viewed as a curse. Of course, there's couples that biologically cannot have children. And that's one of life's uh, disappointments to those couples. More and more in our culture, uh, young people don't even think about getting married. And for sure, they don't think about children. But it wasn't in the biblical framework. And it was physical union. Sex was actually thrown in as a part of the package. Now, let me say something about getting married and going public. Why do you want a public declaration I'm marrying this girl? Or marrying this man. Number one, we want to protect the partners of this union. Uh, that's why we wear rings. We're trying to display publicly, I'm not on the market. Uh, I'm not on the market. I'm not for sale. I'm not for a third party. Uh, two, it's for the future of your children. I ask a man sometime what while back, living with a gal that he had married. I said, do you want your children to be known as sons or illegitimate? Do you want them to have your name? Do you want them to have your protection? Why don't you say so publicly? Uh, Don't be a coward and don't let that child grow up saying, uh, I'm not important enough for him to make a promise to protect. Uh, I'm just a biological happen chance. Protection for peers. Uh, a guy could be flirting with your wife unless he knows she's spoken for him. If she's out there, oh, I'm going to take my ring off. We need a good country song. I'll take off my ring before I go to the bar. I'll cheat a little tonight. No, no. In every culture, there's a way of identifying who's married. Because it's to protect. To protect. Protection for society as a whole. And it's legal Protection. What if you want to hit the road and we leave uh, mama with three children? And let's say, uh, if you're like some families I know, my family included, they could be five, three, and one. Uh, Where do you get that support? So God says in marriage, in this passage, be sure you leave, be sure you cleave. Uh, And that word cleave means to be glued to. The idea is permanence. Uh, and then he said, become one flesh. And we'll look at that. What does it mean, the one flesh union? Well, uh, as we understand it, it's the sexual union where man and a woman become one. And there's something mysterious in the sex act. Even if you're with a prostitute, according to First Corinthians 6, you form a mysterious union beyond the physical. There's something that deep and mysterious about this human relationship. God put it in. And it's deeper than I can go. But uh, sex is a sign of the covenant. It's a privilege. Uh, Tim Keller, he, he espoused that every time a married couple have sex, they simply renew the covenant. Because he makes the sexual marriage bed the symbol of the covenant and its renewal. Uh and he would ha- you'd have to talk to him to get all those implications, but he makes it if you were to get married and there was no physical consummation in god's sight uh something's missing. the Jews would practice what we call annulment it's off if within a week there's not a proof of consummation. so what is a biblical marriage God's design, the architect's design for it is loving. Uh, another person, woman, man, them loving each other to say, mom and dad, we no longer will look to you as our first priority in loyalty. It's my wife. It's my husband. Two, we make a union in which it is intended to be permanent. Only drastic interference, sin, abandonment, Great disasters break up the home. It was intended by God to be a permanent union, not a 24-hour affair. Thirdly, it was to include this power of the physical that creates, procreates, and renews the great privilege of marriage. It's interesting that sex does not equal marriage. Uh, You take John 4. Jesus said to a woman, you're living with a guy you're not married to. Uh, it's quite interesting. Some people said, "Oh, you just if you're with him, you're automatically married." No, you're not. Uh, you can go to the prostitute in First Corinthians uh, six. It was never called marriage. It was called immorality. Sex outside the marriage bed has God's judgment upon it. He said in in Hebrews thirteen. That uh, the bed of the saints and of the married, the marriage bed is blessed. He said in 1 Corinthians 7, that even if you are married to an unsaved man, that union is a sacred union and it's not to be broken. Go ahead. Any questions
2: or comments? <laughs> well, there, there's going to be an awful lot of questions after that one. You, you've got a, a, a lot that you've laid out on the table for us. And, man, it, it, as I listen to you, there's so much more that can be said. I mean, this is this is a deep ocean you're diving us into, man. It
1: is. Well, I, And all is under question and attack. But yeah, let's ask the architect what he intended.
2: Exactly. And, the, you know, one thing is, I appreciate the fact that you went to Genesis. What that does is that, that overarches and transcends cultures and ages. This is pre-culture. Pre-culture. Uh, it, it, you know, this is something that happened before culture existed. So in, in my mind, as I, as I see God laying this out before culture happens, this is a foundation that all cultures should be built on. It's Absolutely. not something that future cultures should change, but something that it should be built on. And then, you know, as you mentioned, There's Breedling, no updating.
1: No, no it updating. doesn't.
2: It doesn't. And 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 for those who would say, Phil, um, and maybe this is something we can deal with on the other side of the break. We're going to take a break here in just a moment, but. For those who would say, well, yeah, but you know, um, as long as you love one another, why doesn't ho- homosexuality should be uh, something that should be accommodated in all of this? Sure. Especially if it's one one man and one man, or one woman and one woman. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, we can come up with a variety of reasons why this is wrong. I mean, the Bible is pretty clear on it. But at the end of the day, and I think this is where we need to spend some time as well, whether it is um, uh, whether it is homosexuality or just husband and wife and possibility of divorce down the road, this is an illustration of Christ's love for the church. Christ is not betrothed to a bridegroom. No, that's right. He's betrothed to a bride. So uh, you think about that. We'll take a break. A timeout come back we do have a couple of uh, uh calls waiting in line um, so we'll we'll take some calls and if you would like to join the conversation as always 888 for kfax that's triple eight 367 5329 we've got one or two lines available so if you want to dial in we'd love to talk with you tonight here on lifeline right now we're off to the kfaX traffic center let's take a look at that commute of yours this Friday this evening and now back to Lifeline. We are back. Pastor Phil Howard joins us this evening. It's all about marriage, as this is the love month. We celebrate Valentine's this month, along with a uh, just a you know, the Bible has so much to say about marriage and love and what true love is, what true marriage is, and, and why. And so that's what we're spending the evening doing. If you would like to join the conversation, maybe you have a question about your own marriage. Maybe you're finding a challenge uh, at this very moment in your own relationship. We'd love to talk with you. God's Word uh, has an awful lot to say on this topic. And uh, we'll do our best to bring the Word of God to bear on your heart and your life and just exactly what you're going through. The number is 888-888. F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. Um, Pastor Phil, uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, this whole issue of reasons why uh, why marriage is to be between a man and a woman. The fact that it is something that predates culture. It's a foundation that God laid before cultures even came into existence. Um, at the end of the day, is, is, is is uh, Paul says in Ephesians, th- this is much more than than a relationship between a man and a woman. This is this is an illustration of God's love for the
1: church and Christ's love for the church. Yes, yes, and uh, that is uh, a remarkable thing that there's a it's theology uh, in life uh, because in in the Trinity you've got this mystery of how can equals Ever have various roles uh, how can there be a uh, subordination or submission to one another unless there's a demeaning of worth a uh, deme- uh, demean We often say in theology ontologically God's equal uh, economically they all have played various parts, and say then we bring this to human families. How can you have the role of the husband being considered a leader, and you hope he is? Because in some marriages, uh, it's the husband is like being following a parked truck; he's not going anywhere, and uh, and women are frustrated with that. They ought to be, uh, but in the Trinity harmony, relational, uh, not sexual relationship union deep commitment, unconditional love, uh, preference. Uh, ne- there's never been a quarrel in the Trinity because God has never been an isolated God having to create man to fulfill his loneliness. God has always been the three. And uh, that's a marvelous, marvelous truth of the Trinity. So any other, I think this whole uh, homosexuality thing is, I think what the church has to be careful is that we don't make them the object of scorn uh, any more than a womanizer, a fornicator, uh, an adulterer. Sex outside of a marriage relationship is always frowned upon by God. And it's interesting. uh, The Muslim world has felt that way from 600 A.D. Uh, the, The Hebrew Jewish world has felt that way from Genesis 2. And the Christian world. This is not new. Uh, you know, when people say, well, what, you guys are prudes. You've come up with standards. Friend, it's been there for thousands of years in multicultures, but here is the authoritative outline for us, Genesis 2. But what well, do you say? I, I want to be homosexual, whatever. We well, say, well, we're going to love you. We're going to be good to you. We're going to be humane. And we're going to call you what God does. He said, this is something I will judge, just like the womanizer just like the fornicator, and it's not singling out one class of, of sexual misbehavior. No, it's just that you come under the judgment of God. And God said, some of us were these things, but we become worst, and we become new creations in Christ. But do nothing, do nothing to degrade or destroy the picture that illustrates God's love for his church for his people. And so, as you've raised the issue, uh, Andy, this is God's classic all-time illustration, and we had to have Jesus come to say, "Do you don't realize what I encapsulated in the marriage union. It's the closest thing that we have to see what it's like in the Trinity. Much deeper, of course, like I said, without the physical aspects, but the union of heart, purpose and plan now to go out here and physically take up with someone without an agreed upon plan without a decision for permanency without any future meaning to the relationship like children building a home uh you know i, I just uh, heard a man give me proverbs fourteen one. he he shared it with a woman who left him and refused reconciliation and he read uh you know what the foolish woman tears down her home, but the wise woman builds it. Can you build anything together with a person? And these are divine purposes. And in the meantime, if you're hungry, we'll feed you. If you're poor, uh, don't, don't tell me about the church gets bashed because we've often been unloving, singled out, uh, these, this category of sin. And I think it's a great mistake. The thing, we'll make a mistake if we don't call it what God calls it. We had a man one time in our church, uh, was living in adultery, told me so. I said, you've got to repent or we're going to have to remove you. Uh, He made light of it. He uh, uh, just thought it was a joke. And I remember one of our men in those days, as the guy was arguing with us, I'm going to marry her, it's none of your business I love what the man said. As he put his finger on his chest, which was dangerous, shouldn't have done that, uh, but he said, made this line, he said, we're using God's dictionary, not yours, right. and we're not using the 2020 dictionary for our ethical behavior in marriage, sex, and how we treat people. But we've get, and the
2: thing is, to, to add to that, Phil, um, we have... The big, the big excuse is, well, it's it's my own sin. It's it's you know, it doesn't have an effect. Tell that to the nation of Israel after Achan went out and took a couple of things for himself, private sin, his own sin. Private sin. But look what it did to the congregation of Israel. You see, no sin, and this and this goes to the heart of what I think you're getting at. Whether it's private or public, it still has an effect on the body of Christ. If you are a Child of God.
1: Absolutely, you're destroying the picture. Uh, you never sin alone. I I forget who it was that said secret sin down here is open scandal in heaven. Yes, and it affects community. What did he say in First Corinthians five? The the boy's living with the stepmother, and he said it's going through the congregation like leaven, and we must remove him not out of hate but out of protection for the assembly. And when the churches that have given up church discipline are giving permission to the 11. Yes. It doesn't matter what you think and what you believe, because they've given up a biblical response. And our children are watching at the end of the day. Our children are
2: watching. And what are they
1: seeing? Disintegration. I think it's like uh, when you come to the sexual, isn't it interesting today? we have an abandonment of marriage and a multiplication of sexual immorality in which venereal disease is off the map. I was just hearing some figures lately. It's like grown by about 300%. Uh, It is uncontrolled. It's going multiple partners, multiple this and that. Disease is going. uh, Illegitimacy is abounding. Um, And so... And a lot of lonely men and women in the midst of it looking for a one-night date yes. with little hope of permanency, little hope of a fulfillment. Um, I, I want to say some things about sex. Sex in the Bible is not equal to marriage. So that's one thing. You can, And sex is not equal to love. No. Because um, the way men are built... Uh, biologically, uh, they could have a sexual experience and not know the name of the girl and not care. Right. Because you're just a utility to fulfill a quick lust. I want to get biological relief, go. Um, You don't get my name, you might get money, you may not. Uh, So number one, sex is not love. The Greeks had multiple words for love. And uh, when they came to Eros, it was erotic. Listen to what the Greeks were. We've gone back in culture. In Greece, their philosophy was sex and nudity were like a physical appetite with no boundaries. So they could have a mistress, they could run naked in the uh, Olympics, it didn't matter. Then you get Greek philosophy that comes along with Gnosticism and dualism, the eternal battle between good and evil, and in Gnosticism, they said the body is evil because matter is evil. Right. So, what do they say? Sex is bad. It's a part of the body. And it was adopted by Rome. Many, hey, celibacy is the highest hierarchy of behavior. and. Never said anywhere in the Bible that way. They created a burden on people. uh, So that God says, why did I give you sex? I think of three reasons he gave us sex within marriage. Procreation. You said it right from Genesis 1. The race doesn't continue without sex. It is the ordained vehicle, But it wasn't sex without boundaries. It was sex within a committed relationship. We call it marriage. Two, he said, I gave it for pleasure. Because we got Song of Solomon. We've got Proverbs 5. Be satisfied or exhilarated with your wife's love and her breast for all your life. That, that's pretty strong. A Jewish boy wasn't allowed to read that until Bar Mitzvah. Oh, yeah, it, 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 Song of Solomon as well was, it was, was taboo, yeah. It's great for us because we can't make out what he's saying all the time. <laughs> but he's talking about some pretty intimate things. And then he said, I gave marital sex to prevent immorality. Right, And he says, never use the body as a bargaining chip to settle conflict. First Corinthians, he said, lest, lest you tempt, are tempted to be immoral. I've got a theory. Satan is invited to a marriage two ways. Ephesians 4 said, if you become angry and you let the sun go down on your wrath, unresolved conflict, the devil will get a foothold on you. He says it. Guess what happens? It starts in the front room. Right. Then you go to bed, and now it's a withholding and a bargaining he said in First Corinthians 7, if you withhold your body from meeting your partner's sexual and physical romantic needs, said, you invite Satan into the marriage. So that's why some of you are having a tough marriage. You've got a third party in it. Yeah. They shouldn't be there. The devil has taken over your front room and your bedroom. And it's real. Until you kick him out, you can never be reunited. Right. Exactly, and to add to that, it
2: is something that goes beyond just the intimacy within the bedroom. This is uh, this is something like you said God gives us uh, for our pleasure, but it is also a heavenly delight as well. There is that that mystical spiritual intimacy that takes place. And again, if if I read my Bible correctly, and and our marriage is an illustration of Christ's love for the church. That intimacy that we have with koinonia fellowship, I I think of the same thing there. We're providing illustrations and exploiting, if you will, God's grace to a world outside. Uh, This stuff we shouldn't be taking lightly, especially as lightly as
1: our current culture tends to want to view it, should we? Well, sure. Well, we have a culture that is non-Christian, so they carry basically pagan views, and uh, self views and let me tell you when a boy's getting ready to have sex with the girl the last thing he's thinking of is theology right he's not thinking about jesus on trial what's jesus got to do with it you're talking as a theologian you're talking as a believer of many years and say oh i'm into the mystery of ephesians 5 they say, cut it out I, i'm not studying mysteries i ain't got time for that no <laughs> no no uh Let's get with it. No.
2: No. Boy, if there was one thing, and I I imagine you could probably say something similar Uh, as an an older saint, if I were to say something to a younger saint, it would be, man, uh, in those intimate moments, do you take time to pray over that? Mm -hmm. Commit that time to the Lord with your spouse. Yeah. Uh, Do you take time afterwards to thank the Lord for this gift? Because it really is, uh, while... There's going to be a time when this will no longer be a part of your marriage, depending on how old one gets uh, and what takes place. Uh, it is still a, a, a form of cement that God gives us to continually renew. Like like you said, I think you said it before we got started, it, it's more like a covenant. It's renewing that covenant yeah. that we have. Every time we, we have that intimate time, we're renewing that covenant, aren't we?
1: Tim Keller makes a strong uh, case for this in his book, the meaning of marriage. Yes, And he makes a first, He was the first I heard make this strong case. I had never thought of it before that, but it's true because it's the only place it can happen within covenant and where God is smiling. Yeah. I was talking with a guy that said, I've been with many girls and, uh, uh, I'm thinking about marriage. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, and as we talked, uh, I said, "You know what? Uh, he, he asked me a uh, question, said, "Well, what the sex uh, what will it do for my sex life if I get married?" I said, "Well, you'll invite God to have a chair in the bedroom and smile right now. He's standing at the door, ready to club you, yeah, because you're sinning, you're breaking the model, you're, you're having something outside of his boundaries. So I said, "Why don't you get in his boundaries where he could smile?"
2: Exactly, and that smile is so sweet and tender. It really is. Phil, we're going to take a break here, top of the hour break in just a minute. Um, On the other side of the break, I I want to start moving into some of the practical sides of what we're talking about tonight. Man, I, I, my my listener mind goes a mile a minute as I hear us talk. It's like, okay, well, you know, the, the mom who's who's coming home. Boy, I wish my husband were listening to this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and 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 the husband's going, no, I've got to turn this off. <laughs> but there are so many practical applications to this, and I know there are so many people that are hurting. And so what we'll do on the other side of the break is take a look at some of this. Um, uh, what is uh, the makings of a successful marriage? What are some things we can practically do? to make that marriage succeed. How selfless do I really need to be to be successful in marriage? I want this to marriage? call it
1: the termites in the troth. There you go. You know, I right? betroth you. Let's look at the termites. Sounds like a plan. So we'll do that on the other side of this break.
2: If you'd like to join the conversation, maybe you've got a question of your own. We'd love to talk with you tonight here on Lifeline. 888-FOR-KFAX. That's 888 5329 to join the conversation. We'll take a time out, pay some bills, and check your traffic and come back here on Lifeline. Right now, off to the KFAX Traffic Center for a look at your commute.